Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creatively curious. I'm your host, Hunter Mathis, and I am very pleased to have Lauren Gasset. Say hi, Lauren. Hello, everyone. And Jean Nueva. Say hi, Jean. Hey, what's up, guys? Here on the Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. So today's topic is pretty interesting. We have picturesque beauty. We're going to define what it is what it has to do with beauty, how its relations to art, it's the context. And, you know, we might give you guys some answers. So before we actually go ahead and get into the conversation, um, let's talk about a case study that is the focal point of our podcast episode. So the prompt is as follows with the question here at the end. In 1840, Nathaniel Willis wrote of the upstate New York landscape around Lake George. The mountains on the shore of this exquisite lake consists of two great ranges. Both these ranges alternately approach the lake so as to constitute a considerable part of its shores and recede from it again to the distance sometimes of two or three miles. The summits of these mountains are of almost every figure, from the arch to the bold, bluff and sharp cone. There's every variety of charm, or chasm, excuse me, crag, promontory, and peak, which a painter would require for the noblest composition of mountain scenery. Willis seems to suggest and appealing to the later 18th and the early 19th century notion of the quote unquote picturesque, that the beauty here is such that any painter who faithfully represented the scenic landscape would create a beautiful picture. Is the beauty of such scenery due to its resembling or suggesting a beautiful picture or painting? To call it picturesque seems to imply this, since the term is thought to have derived from the French word, the French word picturesque meaning of or suggesting a picture. But some writers argue that the true root of the term lies in the Italian word picturesque, which means having to do with a painter. In their view, picturesque scenes please us not because they remind us of pictures, but because in viewing them, we become like painters, exercising our powers of visual acuity and sensitivity to quote unquote compose the scenery. Our picturesque scenes, such as might be captured in a photograph or postcard, beautiful simply because they resemble or remind us of beautiful pictures? Or is the beauty better described as something captured by an observer who has creatively framed the scene to be appreciated? In other words, is the beauty of such a scene something it has itself? Or does some, or even most, of our satisfaction in looking at it come from the contribution of the viewer, who acts like an artist and actually composing a natural scene for viewing? In short, is the French pittoresque, like a picture, or the Italian pittoresco, like a painter, more plausible route for this type of beauty? So that was definitely a lot of information. Uh, we had some guy named Nathaniel Wilness who was talking about upstate Lake George, and we'll get to him in a second. But the main question that is kind of the focal point of this episode is when we look at picturesque beauty, is it more intrinsic and kind of natural in the way about it presents its beauty? Or is it us, the viewer, who kind of enable its beauty do we give it the, the beautiful aspect that you know it is associated with so you guys want to weigh in on this before we get started and you know actually dive into this a little bit deeper sure um i'll actually bring up nathaniel willis he lived from 1780 to 1870 garrity mentions that he was an american publisher writer and journalist in the 19th century known for his contributions to the literacy and his and the media landscape of his time. Now, 
The perception of picturesque beauty in the 19th century was significantly influenced by cultural factors. Smith mentions that one factor is the Romantic movement, which celebrated the magnificent aspects of nature and the westward expansion in the United States. This fostered an appreciation for the diverse American landscape. Smith also mentions that Nathaniel Willis actually contributed to this cultural and artistic context by describing the American landscape as a source of inspiration and wonder through his writing. And I actually want to hop on that for a second before we move on to the next prompt. Um, sure. Talking about the actual beauty of what uh, picturesque beauty, um, different cultures um, saw beauty in nature in nature differently. And to hit on uh, what you already said earlier was that um, in other parts of the world, like Japan, um, the position of beautiful landscapes was different due to the unique artistic cultural traditions. Um, more specifically, in even areas within the United States, um, like we'll mention uh, later, some other schools of art actually took pictures as beauty and transformed it in their own way. Um, and American landscapes played a big role in shaping how Americans thought about it too, how it evolved from Nathaniel Willis himself to then later on into the 19th, uh, 19th century um, in other schools of thought. But yeah, I just want to put that in real quick. Even though we're going to touch about uh, touch on it uh, later, I believe um, uh, you, Lauren, are going to hit on it. Um, I also wanted to bring that out already to start off with. But yeah, thank you. So to piggyback off of what both of you said and looking at picturesque beauty, particularly in the United States, I believe it was Eugene who hinted towards it, but different cultures will define picturesque beauty in their own ways. And I think that one of the most important things to talk about and examine when you look at that is the different scenes of nature or the different um, iterations of picturesque beauty that we see depending on the culture we look at. And if we look at American landscape painters in particular, just to start, you know, because we talked about Nathaniel Willis and you know the American landscape. And I believe that Lauren was the one who mentioned it, westward expansion. That was kind of um, a major theme when it came to uh, kind of defining picturesque beauty in the United States in the early 19th centuries. If you guys don't mind, I kind of want to look at actually one of Thomas Cole's paintings. Um, and it was the Oxbow. Um, and I, I found this painting just to, to cite the source in McGraw Hills Living with Art textbook or online textbook um and looking at this painting it's from i'm not mistaking it's from 1836 so early 19th century and if we're just actually you know deep diving into the painting to describe for you the viewer um on the right side of the screen we have a large expanse of land um a, just a sea of green um and on the left we kind of have a little bit of a dichotomy because there we have an impending rainstorm and then if we look even closer, we can see that Cole paints himself into the piece. Um, and that kind of gives us the feeling that, you know, he's with us there. He's experiencing it. He's experiencing that there with us and it's adding to the immersiveness. But the reason I bring that up is because that really, I feel like the, the open expanse of land that you would see in a lot of the paintings in the early 19th and even the early 20th centuries when it came to American landscape art was represented by this idea of westward expansion. And to me, this contributes more, and I'm going to tie, I'm going to, I'm going to tie this all together, but it contributes more to the uh, Italian definition of picturesque. Because us, the viewer, we associate these paintings with our, our goals and the changing society around us. And particularly in this time, westward expansion um, and the great unknown and, and, and where 
as a society we were going and expanding into nature we've never you know, we've never experienced before um and that kind of was what lent the the paintings of that time its beauty just beyond you know the actual um tangible elements of the art and to uh, mention something else to add on to that um the notion of picturesque during the late 18th and the early 19th centuries was a major concept in art, literature and landscape design. Um, something that Gilpin says evolved to be a response to the changing perceptions of nature and its beauty and introducing aesthetic qualities of irregular roughness and differences in landscapes that were not considered beautiful before these centuries. And now that we're talking about landscape, I actually want to give a little quick definition of what is a landscape. Um, a landscape is just in the context of art um, and painting, printmaking, photography, is a, represent is a representation of a natural scenery. Landscapes in art could be mountains, forests, rivers, valleys, or even cities. So I want to propose you guys a question. Um, if when we're particularly looking at landscape paintings, um, regardless of where exactly, what what region, um, whether it's Italian, French, or American, do we think that these landscapes can be ugly yet still, or ob objectively ugly and still be considered picturesque? I'm pretty sure, Gene, you had a little bit of a strong opinion about this. Yeah, I actually do. And um, basically, when it comes to it, depends on how you look at the question. In my opinion, you could look at the works themselves are the ugly or the um, are the painting are the the paintings themselves when it comes to whether they're actually built ugly. Now, clearly, I don't think these works are pretty ugly. Um, I believe they demonstrate another side of nature that people, especially in our modern age, I think you guys can attest to this too, just simply don't experience. Anybody that listens to this podcast would be able. I think they can they can tell you a lot of times um in their hand how many times they've gone out to nature and actually looked at some things in these paintings and took it themselves um it takes in some cases hundreds of miles to be even even able to get to some of these places and also time that us modern people just don't have um so regardless though to kind of hit back go back to the conversation um it conveys an expression uh it conveys sorry it conveys an expression of landscape that uh with unique uh feels that i just don't think that we see nowadays and it's very very different from the modern city landscapes that we see today when we walk out when, on our commute to work we see nothing but buildings and cars and i think it's extremely sad in my opinion given how much uh this throughout this podcast and whenever i when i uh give you guys my answers to my my other opinions it, it really it really is a shame on how we've evolved to a society and lost this this art uh that picturesque beauty so very very much holds but yeah that's about it thank you i agree with you completely um and i think that one of the main essences or themes of picturesque beauty um is kind of encapsulating um a beautiful scene in nature which um kind of it kind of really can't be encapsulated in any any other way of course photography is um as very relevant and as such a big part of our, our lives as as in, in in the current you know climate and we'll get to that eventually but just looking at i actually wanted to look at another piece of art that kind of reflected you know just the way in which picturesque beauty is associated with nature and um and just the awe-inspiring aspect of it um, and this also, for me, kind of 
relates the idea that picture speaking, while it's different in different cultures, does have its similarities. Um, and the painting I want to look at was one by Theodore Rousseau. He was a French landscape artist in the 19th century. Um, and this particular painting I wanted to examine was, let's see, it was the forest in winter sunset. Um, not exactly sure when this painting came out, but just to describe it to you guys, because it's absolutely beautiful. And by the way, any of the paintings that we mentioned in this podcast, I do recommend you guys do your own research on them and kind of, you know, watch, examine them uh, as we discuss them, you know, so that you can get an idea of just um, how beautiful these paintings are. But the forest and winter sunset, just to get back to the main point, um, when you examine it, you see dark hues of orange everywhere. Orange and brown, you have different shades, different tints. Uh, you have lighter, it's lighter in some areas, darker in others. Um, you have shadows everywhere. It's a pretty symmetrical balance of, of, of trees across, but it's just this, it's just wave of orange and, and brown and dark. And it, it looks like something out of a fairy tale. Um, and I think that being able to capture landscapes in such a way really contributes to picturesque beauty and what we um, determine it as. And this is one of the scenarios where I feel like the intrinsic value of the piece of, uh, of art and the piece of, you know, or just the nature itself in, in existing in general is what lends it its beauty as, uh, instead or rather um, us giving it the value. We can kind of look at that painting. I don't know if you guys agree. We can look at that painting and, and just automatically view it as beautiful. We see it and like that is picturesque beauty. That looks like something out of a fairy tale. Um, I also wanted to add on top of that, uh, since it's, even though we're going to mention it um, later, one of the things that I love actually about this painting is the different use of strokes. You can look at the actual side of the painting when it comes to the forest and the backdrop and then compare it to the actual lake itself, the lake in the middle, the, the different use of strokes here that give it, give the water its texture and the trees its grittiness and harshness is so, so beautiful in my opinion. But yeah, I just want to add that in there. I agree. Mm -hmm. It's It's totally beautiful. It's something that you cannot... It's amazing that how he captured it, really. It's just stunning natural beauty. And it's funny that you mentioned this, Lauren, because this this is this question I'm about to pose is kind of an open panel discussion. And I just want your input without any research whatsoever. You mentioned the ability to capture it as being so unique, especially in that period in time when in the 1800s or the mid-1800s when photography was not what it was today. If it it didn't even exist. Um, but obviously, photography has been one of the most influential innovations of the last century and a half um, and has introduced us to a new form of art which wasn't possible at that point in time. Do we think that photography has diminished the idea of picturesque beauty? Or do we think it may have enhanced it? I think photography enhanced it. Now, there is a difference between an actual painting where an artist is creating these strokes just like Gene mentions how he captured all these different shadows of lights and the river and the flow of the waves crashing but then photography is also another type of art that I think just enhanced just the outcome of the endless of possibilities of how we can capture all these natural landscapes mm -hmm. and to add on to that you know 
you are st- photography one of the, the the most important things that it does for us is it allows us to capture at any moment in time almost instantaneously any any moment any 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 place any time um and that to me kind of reinforces the idea of picturesque beauty because you can capture something that you know might might take hours upon hours upon days to create in an instance and it kind of really is a little bit of insight into the the, the, the jewel that is the natural world that we live in um some people say you know the, the sheer volume made of uh, photos that we can take in an instant you know diminishes it but i think it's quite the opposite because i still believe um that you can find profoundness in such a, a form of uh, art and um i don't think it diminishes whatsoever i agree i agree with your with your comments so to gear the conversation in a little bit of a different um uh, manner picturesque beauty so i remember gene you were talking earlier a little bit about how it differs um in different you know regions and based on different individuals mm-hmm. experiences or cultural backgrounds yeah. Um, I wanted to say something in regards to that and then open up the conversation to you guys. So uh, for me, when I look at picturesque beauty, it is a subcategory of the theme of beauty overall because picturesque beauty obviously is a little more nuanced, but overall it has to it, it has to do with the idea of beauty. So if we're looking on a little more of a broader scale, uh, one of one quote I wanted to look at in particular, just to look at the American side first, um, looking at John Ruskin, he was an American philosopher in the 19th century. Um, he describes beauty, looking at his definition specifically, as any material objects which can give us pleasure in the contemplation of its outward qualities without any direct and definite exertion of the intellect is in some way or some degree beautiful. I got that quote from, again, the McGraw living with our textbook. So, but through his rendition of what beauty is, he's kind of suggesting that we can look at it effortlessly and not have to put more thought into it than than you might typically have to, which is kind of a little more contradictory to what many people think um, uh, a shade of beauty could be. Um, but just to continue on, looking at Ludwig Wittgenstein, I butchered that, I apologize to that this man, who was an, actually an Austrian philosopher, so going across the globe, he said this in regards to what beauty was. Um, and this quote came from Beauty, Ugliness, and Aesthetic Experience, the book, chapter two specifically. We think we have to talk about aesthetic judgments like this is beautiful, but we find that if we have to talk about aesthetic judgments, we don't find these words at all, but a word used something like a gesture accompanying a complicated activity. A t- characteristic thing about our language is that a large number of words used under these circumstances are adjectives, fine, lovely, etc. But you see that this is by no means necessary. Would it matter if instead of saying this is lovely, I just said, ah, and smiled or just rubbed my stomach. So here he's kind of, I would say directly juxtaposing what uh, Rustin said because, or Ruskin said, he, because his definition of what beauty was, what it entails was kind of the complete opposite. His was that, okay, we do have a physical reaction to this. You know, um, we do have, we do, give characteristics to this painting we do think about it in some way and we do define okay it's it's lovely it's fine it's beautiful you know we have a we have a reaction to it 
as opposed to what John Ruskin said, which was that beauty, it's, it's, it simply gives us pleasure without any type of reaction or thought, almost instantaneously. Um, and I think that this can be wrapped into what we think about when we're answering our, our case study question in picturesque beauty um, and the differences between what, what it actually is. Is it having something that is intrinsically beautiful without thought, without reason, and it's just an absolute truth? Or is there thought behind it? Is there contemplation? Is there a reason that we, the viewer, are, are deeming it beautiful? Um, so that was kind of more rhetorical. If you guys want to jump in on what either Ruskin or what Whitney <laughs> instead, you can, um, you can jump in. I uh, I definitely want to talk about the actual trick because you talked about the interpretation of it in different languages. Um, and I I find it since I I find it extremely important given the fact that the actual when it comes to picturesque beauty or any sort of art in general it's about the subjective beauty that comes with it because there is no way to truly be able to tell objectively what how good a painting is or isn't um, pretty clearly but um and that's what i mean it's essentially the whole point of it um according to wikipedia the term picturesque um evolved from different uh, from its french origin and it became a key concept in english landscapes uh, now during the 18th and i believe early 19th century um in which I don't, I'm not sure if one of you guys mentioned them earlier, but if you guys aren't aware, he's a pioneered um, picturesque field in general. Um, he, uh, according to the Royal, uh, Royal Academy of Arts, he was an English writer, a printmaker, a clergyman, and a schoolmaster. Uh, but as I already mentioned, he's best known for his uh, one of as one of the originators of the whole idea of picturesque beauty. Um, his work and the whole cultural shift towards rom uh, romanticism, um, as I believe I mentioned earlier, played a more significant role in shaping the interpretation of picturesque beauty. Uh, now, these aesthetic concepts mainly emphasize the appeal of rugged, irregular, and wild landscapes, as you mentioned, and I want to call back to your um, to your painting uh, that you mentioned earlier, where we uh, we looked at uh, where I mentioned the rugged lines uh, of the tree mm -hmm. of the tree lines. Mm -hmm. I specifically there think that it was a great example, and I, I commend you for bringing that up. Um, but uh, regardless, it, uh, it left a, la a, lasting, a lasting impact on art, literature, regardless of sign, and the way people that appreciate art, uh, art and nature in general. Um, and I think uh, now, of course, and we can move on to the actual, the when it comes to the actual picturesque um, origin and the way that people interpret it. Now, uh, I believe it's completely subjective, um, according to the reader and uh, to the viewer, um, what they define as ugly or not. I myself find things, uh, these uh, pictures to be extremely beautiful and extremely interesting. And given the lack of this content in a more modern life, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's extremely important, extremely vital for us to be able to understand it, absorb it, and then express it out towards the world. But yeah, I just want to mainly hit on your the whole different uh, interpretation of picturesque in different languages. That, that's what. So thank you for that, Gene. Um, I I really like your answer there. And I feel that we are nearing giving a pretty concrete or as concrete as we can in terms of art, because art is always going to be open to interpretation and new perceptions of it. But I think we're coming pretty close to being able to answer the original case to the question. Um, and I'm going to refresh again because we've, we've discussed a lot the last 20 minutes. Um, but in particular, when we're looking at, hold on, I just got to pull it up here. So when we look at the case study, and I'm gonna just go to where the actual question is. So 
are picturesque scenes, are, are picturesque scenes such as might be captured in a photograph or postcard. Beautiful simply because they resemble or remind us of beautiful pictures. Or is their beauty better described as something captured by an observer who has creatively framed the scene to be appreciated? In other words, is the beauty of such a scene something it has itself? Or does some or even most of our satisfaction in it, looking at it come from the contribution of the user? Flex like an artist and actually composing a natural scene for being. Okay, so we got that. So I'm gonna let Lauren go first, then I'll let Jeannie kind of already answered it, but you can give you can give us one more uh, summation. And then I will Thanks. go ahead and give my go ahead answering the question. Um, For sure. Again, you know, this is, you could give an objective answer here or you could give a subjective answer. But at the end of the day, we're going to give our best two cents to the actual question. Cool. So I believe that beauty is very subjective and a complex concept. And then to put picturesque beauty into it, it can make it a little even more um, difficult. But I believe that picturesque scenes, just as they might be captured in a photograph or a postcard, are simply just beautiful um, because they capture just natural aesthetics. Um, picturesque scenes often feature elements of nature um and something that you can't you can't put into words really it's just all that comes natural and some people could even make an emotional connection to these scenes um speaking in terms of aesthetics what makes them feel something basically do these scenes evoke an emotion of nostalgia or happiness um now I don't know if you guys want to help me out here for that second question. Is beauty better described as something captured by an observer who has creatively framed the scene to be appreciated? Um, um, actually, I can hit up on that, I guess, because I was going to hit on, I wanted to add to that earlier, but I kind of lost my train of thought um, before we moved on. But I, I think when it comes to the actual scene, uh, again, I agree with Lauren 100%. Due to the subjective nature of the beautiful scene, like pictures, beauty, as we already explained, it's not really the same for everybody. It depends on how a person sees it and how they feel about it. Uh, the beautiful scene isn't really about the scene itself. It's about how we see it as individuals. It is a mix of our thoughts, past experiences, and mo most importantly, um, our emotions. Emotions that we all share differently. We're all born with differently. The same way that something might affect this person is not the same as it might affect me or it might affect Lauren or it might affect Hunter. It is different throughout. Uh, but yeah, I wonder I'll hop on that and um, just hit on that before we move on uh, to the next one. But you can, uh, you can go, uh, it goes back to Hunter. Hunter, you want to add anything else? Uh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we ran into a technical issue. A little issue bit of quick. technical difficulties there. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, but yeah, I want to, anyways, back to what we're saying, I want to hit it back off to Hunter um, after I just finished what I just said. Hunter, want to be ready? So to answer the, 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 the case study at hand and to kind of give my final input on the question, um, I believe that picturesque beauty is a mix of a little bit of both definitions. And it's just to reiterate what the definitions were again. Um, if we're looking at the French example, they kind of defined it as quote unquote, like a picture, or we have the Italian definition, like a painter. Um, and from my perspective, it's definitely a little bit of a mix of both. 
Um, one of the most often asked questions when it comes to beauty is the role of the viewer. You know, some will say that a piece of art's intrinsic beauty or the beauty it already holds in existing is what fuels our perception of it as being beautiful. Um, and we saw examples of it when we looked at Theodore Rousseau's painting, you know, the, um, the, the setting of fall and winter, um, you know, and others will say that the viewer themselves creates the beauty through their own reaction and then their subsequent interpretation of the art. Um, and we see this um, in paintings like Thomas Cole's where there's context behind it. Um, in the Oxbow, when we think about westward expansion and a growing United States in that period in time. However, for me, I believe that picturesque beauty um, is a combination of both of those definitions. Because while some paintings may have already had features which we associate with beauty, aesthetic qualities, um, romanticism, which both of those things, I'm pretty sure, Gene, you touched on, um, mm -hmm. symmetry, which we talked about in the actual composition of the art, etc. Others will have a more nuanced beauty because of the thoughts and the feelings it may invoke, and then how us, the viewer, the painter, quote unquote, react as a result. Um, just to head off with that, um, I want to say that uh, I believe Hunter, you have an amazing answer to that question. In essence, the debate over whether the French or Italian route is more possible, the concept of picturesque beauty, it essentially also around the viewer and appreciating the natural scenery of picturesque beauty itself. Um, some argue that picturesque scenes are beautiful in themselves, while others emphasize the viewer's active involvement in composing and appreciating their beauty, which I very much agree with that statement. Um, regardless, the answer to this question may vary depending really on the individual. Um, I'm sure that previewers uh, at home, um, at home, can give me their own opinion on this uh, sort of question. Some picturesque scenes may owe their beauty more to the inherent qualities of the painting, um, while others require the observer to be actively more engaged with it. Um, and I, I believe some of the paint, paint, paintings that we br bring uh, brought up and that we will bring up uh, will resemble these very same qualities. Essentially. Um, the concept of pictures beauty it very, very much encompasses a rich and multi-phase appreciation of the natural world. Essentially, this is what it's all about: appreciating the uh, the environment and conserving in the ways they, in the best way possible, um, which can be influenced by both landscape, uh, the landscape itself, and the viewer's perception of creativity. Um, and now, regardless, now after after what I just said, I'm going to look at some uh, compare contrast and paintings that very much accentuate these uh, these two different terms. It can be viewed at differently. Um, just to pull them up real quick, so I don't mess them up. Okay. So we can take uh, two separate pieces of work and compare them and contrast them. Um, I said for this po uh, podcast, but the first one will be The Picturesque by Jacob Van Roosdale. Hopefully I didn't butcher his name. Um, just pull it up real quick. So yeah. Um, now for the viewers at home, the best way to describe it would be a very plain Midwest landscape with a variety of trees, an aesthetically pleasing river in the middle, uh, and through the front and a very homey church towards the back. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, which uh, with a single man walking through the middle of it, um, which again by itself is a very beautiful painting, and its lack of content itself make it make it very unique and peaceful. Um, and now my second piece, which at first glance is completely different, um, it's uh, it's a view of the Roman Capanna uh, from Tivoli uh, evening by Claudio Lorraine. Uh, yet again, um, it is as splendid and beautiful as the showcase a broad mountainside view with houses and cows and whatnot. Um, with a little mountain on the side in the distance and a river uh, running down uh, running down the center of it. Uh, and very close uh, and very close to the there's two little individuals similar to the other painting on like this time there's, only, there's two people instead of only one. Um, but yeah, regardless, as I said, surface level, uh, at the surface level view, these are very different and they convey different perspectives and showcase a different set of environments. But regardless of this difference, they both portray an, uh, portray an environment in a way that is unique to this medium. Rugged lines and hard strokes are seen throughout this whole painting, as I mentioned earlier, and it is, a, uh, is an essence of picturesque beauty. 
Um, and it has strokes to add a level of connection that isn't found really anywhere else in any sort of other medium. I think I sort of really, now from what I can think of, I sort of really abstract beauty and more hyper-realism uh, paintings. I think that's the only place that we'll really see them. Um, and now, regardless of how we see the, uh, how, how we see these things, the relationship between pictures, scenes, and paintings are vital. Uh, pictures, landscapes, as I, as I showcase in the flat through paintings, often resemble paintings that uh, with very, uh, very similar visual qualities and compositions. Um, some, of some of its influence expand and reach different mediums, like romanticism, as I believe Hunter mentioned earlier, and I also hit on earlier. Uh, according to the Stevenson Library of Digital Connections, by the 1820s, landscape painting and romantic thinking uh, was uh, was a manifestation of and began to gain popularity in America as well. Now, on top of having and deriving influence romanticism, uh, romanticism as already mentioned, uh, in another instance uh, of the most prolific schools of art derived influence from the pictures, practices, and aesthetics themselves, um, as I believe uh, Lauren hit on this earlier, uh, the Hudson River School uh, utilizes mainly landscape paintings to express and advocate, advocate for American wildlife, which is essentially the whole point of what I believe pictures beauty is nowadays, to basically advocate, advocate for uh, the conservation of the environment itself. And I think America is one of those examples. Plenty of countries throughout the world, like Switzerland, um, China, uh, even yeah. some Central American countries like Panama. Or like, Sorry, Gene, to add a little no, point on that. If you guys didn't know, a little fun fact, the, Hub the Hudson River School artists actually found their inspiration through sketching landscapes uh, during their expeditions in the Hudson River. And they captured beautiful scenes in their book and it's shown their beautiful paintings. And if you guys haven't checked out the book, it's really nice. Um, yeah. hundred percent. And like uh, and before the 1820s, American artists painted portraits and doc uh, documentary works depicting important important historical events in uh, the Hudson, the the walk to the Hudson River was uh, specifically and essentially one of them. Uh, before this, few painters really attempted landscape painting, and I believe, uh, as you already mentioned, the Hudson River and the Hudson River School utilized and essentially kind of boomed and gave way to this sort of art and medium. Um, now, I believe that after that, uh, I would um, I would essentially be uh, delving to the philosophical foundations of aesthetic appreciation. Um, and basically sending some arguments in favor of French picturesque beauty and Italian pistoresco, um, which, the, by the way, since Hunter already mentioned, French resembling a picture and then the Italian definition would be related to the painter itself. Um, regardless, uh, it will be hard really to say, um, given the research that I've done for this episode, as already mentioned earlier, that both sides really give good, um, really give good, uh, good answers to this question. Um, although I personally prefer the French side, but it's accuracy to my perspective and my subjective opinion. I believe that anybody, including you, Lauren, or you, Hunter, can give equally good sides to the whole Italian side of things. But um, I don't know if you guys want to add on to that or just piggyback off of that, but that's essentially what I have to say about the whole French-Italian side of things. And that was that was a that was a great analysis, Gene. To, Thank you very much. To summarize and to kind of get to the bottom of this. Um, and I think we can all agree, and, and you kind of alluded to it in your um, in the beginning of your answer, Gene. Um, we can't really solve this with a concrete answer, because I think depending on the culture and depending on the person, it could be one, the other, or it could be a little bit of both. So when we're talking about picturesque beauty, I think it's safe to say that it can come from within or it can come intrinsically. That's beautiful. Like uh, that. 100% agree. Yep. And um, with that, that will do this. That will do for this edition of our Exploring Art podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us so much today, Gene. 
and Lauren. Um, Thank you very much. I really appreciate having you guys on. This includes Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious.